This week's episode of the Third Line Podcast is brought to you by the Area 51 Sports Network and all of their amazing sponsors. Make sure to head over to area51sportsnetwork.com slash sponsors to check them out, whether it be Bench Clearers, High Stick Vodka, Bet99.com, or Habson. You can get exclusive deals on all of these fantastic products through the website. Support them because they support us. And hopefully you enjoyed this week's episode of the Third Line Podcast. Okay, welcome everybody to the Third Line Podcast, episode 16 we're on now, and it was a big day. We are talking about the WHL-CHL TV rights deal. Uh, the Seattle Kraken draft was today, obviously, big news. Everybody already knew the whole team at 10 a.m., so you know we can get into that a little bit. And yeah, uh, there's going to be some trades that are going to come out tomorrow, so we'll see... Uh, some of the questionable picks i'm assuming there was some motivation for them to take them so we'll uh, have to dive into that a little bit on our twitter account tomorrow probably maybe we can touch on it a bit next week in more detail but uh yeah for this week we're going to start off with the chl rights deal uh, i didn't get a chance to really look into a lot of the details because i was at work um does anybody have a little bit of input on that yeah so i'll um I'll talk about the deal. So a couple months ago, we talked about there was a rumor out there that TSN was going to be acquiring the rights to the Canadian Hockey League because Sportsnet, they they had terms in the agreement that they just couldn't match, it looked like. So today, it was announced that TSN, along with CBC, are going to be the official home of this uh, CHL. Uh, RDS, the Canadian, um, the French Canadian version of TSN, is also going to be involved. So what this means is that we're going to get thirty, around thirty regular season games each year on TSN directly. If you're French Canadian, you're going to get an additional twenty French language broadcasting games. You're you're also going to get early season weekend games that will be broadcasted on CBC Sports and. They're also going to be uh, broadcasted through TSN, RDS, and CBC Gem, which are all streaming services. So what this means is that we're basically getting more CBC. Uh, we're getting more. What's the word like action on TV for the prospects in the CHL? The CHL is getting more uh, exposure within Canada. But the real question is, how are they going to determine which games are viewable? So, for example, if uh, if you're a team without a star, you're a team not in a big market, are you? Are they not going to show your games? We know we're going to see a lot of Connor Bedard, and we know we're going to see a lot of Shane Wright next year. Also, it doesn't really talk about playoff games, how that thing, that's going to be sorted out, but this is a great move from the CHL. It's going to give a lot more exposure to the players, which is great. And I know in Canada, TSN has five different channels. A lot of the time they show the same thing on every single channel. So this at least gives you a little bit of variety. And I would love to see how this deal is going to expand uh, farther than what's already written. Now, I know in the States, it's a little bit different because you might not get TSN, RDS, or and CBC. But there is a chance, because ESPN does own the rights to TSN, that maybe you get some sort of WHL package along with that, just based off of the fact that ESPN is, or TSN is a subsidiary of ESPN. Yeah, so that sounds uh, intriguing. And like you said, there's only uh, X number of games and it's split up between the entire CHL. So the amount of WHL content 
over the course of the season will probably be, you know, fairly small and they're gonna probably weigh it pretty heavily on, you know, the bedards and stuff. So I would say you'd probably be lucky to see um every team represented once or twice throughout the season. You said ten games, Adam? So it will probably be divided ten per league. Okay. Thirty games total, so probably ten per league. Okay. Uh one other bit of CHL or WHL news. Uh it's not been announced yet. I don't know who the player is, but apparently the Abbotsford Canucks are going to be making a signing in the next couple days involving a bringing in a WHL center and overager to uh, play with the Abbotsford uh, Canucks next year. And a lot of people are pointing to Tristan Nielsen of the Vancouver Canucks. I don't have that, that in that, any type that, of... You mean yeah. of the Vancouver Giants? Vancouver Giants, sorry. I yeah. don't have any any information on that other than this is what you know people are putting two and two together. It could it's very possible it isn't Tristan Nielsen, but that would be awesome if it was. You know, bring a van- uh he's played here. It was great for the Giants last year. Perfect transition uh to the Abbotsford uh Canucks, and I think it would be a home run. If it's not all, almost all of the WHL 20-year-olds were really good this year, so I'm just excited to see. But the fact that the rumor was that it's a center kind of leads me down that is it's Tristan Nielsen. I'll see what I can find on it, but uh, I think we might just have to wait for the announcement on that one. Yeah, didn't they say it was going to be announced potentially this weekend? Um, Yeah, there's still questions on when the announcement date is. But yeah. uh, keep your eyes open because the Vancouver yeah. or Abbotsford Canucks might be making their first signing of, and it looks like it's going to be a WHO player. Yeah, I would say it would make a lot of sense for Nielsen. I mean, he's local. They've probably had a chance to get a good look at him. You know, he won't have to go far going from the Langley Event Center to uh, Abbotsford Event Center or whatever their arena is called there. So, um, and they need somebody to replace Lind. I don't believe Lind was a center, but you know they need someone else to help put the puck in the net on the farm team, right? So, yeah, I think that'd be that'd be a good signing. Speaking of Cole Lind, why don't we jump into this uh, Seattle expansion draft? Yeah, he's a right was... winger. Is he a right winger? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's uh, it was interesting uh, sitting at work and watching Twitter blow up. Uh, I'm pretty sure my boss was annoyed that I wasn't getting anything done, but I couldn't help myself. I had to just keep uh, refreshing Twitter to see who all these names were. I was torn because I wanted to watch the actual feed this evening, um, but just seeing the names, I just couldn't help but keep hitting refresh, and uh, it actually worked out well because I wasn't able to actually watch the draft, so I pretty much knew everybody that was getting picked already, so... Yeah, kind of happy with the way it all went down. Thank you, Frank Saravelli from uh, Daily Faceoff. Was it frustrating that you was was it frustrating that you saw the leaks? Yeah, I'm not one to usually care about like leaks or any of like spoilers or anything like that. Like, I don't really care, especially in like movies. Just tell me what fucking happens. I don't care. Um, but when it came to the the draft, I was really irritated that they were leaking every single player. So there was no real intrigue to watching it. And that was like, that really bugged me. And the ESPN announcers were absolutely horrendous. You know, I would have rather gotten the entire roster from Frank Cervelli than listen <laughs> to some of those ESPN guys anyways. Yeah. Um, and... You were saying that you didn't even have access to watch the feed anyways for the draft? So I managed to get it eventually, but, you know, they when uh, ESPN got the rights for, you know, the NHL and everything like that, you know, they, they really pushed the ESPN, Disney Plus, Hulu package. Apparently, if you have that package, it doesn't matter. You can't watch it if you don't have a live package with Hulu yeah. or if you don't have like a cable provider you you don't have access to live stuff on ESPN plus so what the hell is the point of having ESPN plus i don't know bam point made um the 
I, I do want to say, like, so ESPN got the rights to do some NHL this year, and, you know, there was the Stephen A stuff, you know, the, some of it's pretty entertaining, and they need to, you know, grow the game and all that. If they want to grow the game and they want to seem like a reputable source for the NHL news and stuff, they need to learn the teams and don't say oh the next pick God. coming from the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> like, the NFL is the biggest league arguably maybe not in the world but it was as far as north america goes the nfl is the big boys how do you not know that like do you really think the nhl also has a carolina panthers team like come on can we appreciate how they ran with it and just said yeah, yeah. all right yeah just just ignore the mistake let's just go with it well yeah, yeah and then it, carolina the carolina panthers on twitter changed their logo to the carolina hurricanes and then a couple of people from the Hurricanes are joking that uh, they actually drafted Morgan Geeky from the Panthers, so the Carolina Hurricanes get to keep their Morgan Geeky. Yeah. So lots of jokes I, I being also, made at ESPN's expense. I also saw that potentially uh, the Seattle Kraken were going to get Christian McCaffrey from the actual Carolina Panthers. I think that'd be huge, big, <laughs> big news. Um. But yeah, we can uh, we can dive into some of these players here. Um, it really surprised me seeing some of these names come out. Yeah. Um, I thought for sure Max Domi was going to be a lock. God, uh, they, thank God he's not. They decided to go with, uh, where is his name here? I'm not even seeing his name. I don't remember him. Uh, he's actually not even showing up on Cap Friendly. So it was, uh, It's at the bottom. Oh. oh, he might be in the minors. Yeah, Gavin Bayruther. Uh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, so basically a career AHLer. He's got good offensive numbers in the in the AHL. So, I mean, they have to build a farm team as well. And that's one thing that people got to realize. Like, first year, I believe they're going to be sharing uh, a farm team with another NHL club, which is probably... I think it's the Checkers. Yeah, so they're going to... That makes a lot of sense because you're not going to have the full roster in your cupboard to f uh, have a full farm team. So, but they Their do farm need team's not even available yet. The one that they're creating. Yeah. It's going to be, is it not in like Coachella or something? Uh, Palm Springs. Palm Springs. So basically. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so Liz, Liz can actually help me being an ignorant Canadian. Um, is Coachella an actual city in California? Yeah. Sort of. I mean, it is, but like also, it's just a lot of tumbleweeds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. not really like a city, but like it is an actual name of a place, of a district or a region. Okay, yeah, because I I heard when they announced their farm team, it said something about the team was going to be based in Coachella, and I was like, okay, like I know that that's like a f music festival, but so yeah. Palm Springs is where it's actually going to be. Yeah, Palm Springs. If I'm not mistaken, it's Coachella Valley, but then okay. it's, like the team will be in Palm Springs. Okay, so Coachella Valley is the region. All right, that makes which sense. is really just filled with a bunch of old people driving golf carts. Basically, like they Sounds chose like a great time. the weirdest spot for an AHL team, considering we already have three teams in Southern California. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, as the oldest person on this podcast. Driving around in golf carts with a bunch of old people sounds like a great time to me. <laughs> so one um, thing that's uh, very cool about the Seattle Kraken roster, you know, we are a WHL podcast. 11 uh, WHL alumni selected and including a uh, former Seattle Thunderbird and Alex True. So you have a third of the team coming from the WHL. That's pretty cool. Um, guys like, and then you have quite a few players who played in the U.S., so, for instance, Dennis Shalowski played in Portland for a little bit. Chris Dreger played for Tri-City. Morgan Geeky played for Tri-City. And then you have Alex True playing for Seattle. So it's a good idea because these players, they played in the WHL relatively recently. So you might be able to market them because fans might be able to remember them a little bit from their days in the WHL. Uh, and they might get a little bit more excited based off of that. Yeah. And then when you go to some of the bigger names too, like, you know, Jordan Eberle, obviously from the Regina Pats, 
Um, there was a few other ones. Uh, Jared McCann is a CHL. He was for the Sioux Greyhounds. But well, there um, were a lot of CHL players who were drafted in general, but just the WHL was 11. You know, yeah. you have, yeah, like guys like, uh, and then you have BCHL connections as well. Brandon Tanev played for the BCHL. So it, it's it was a very West Coast themed or Western themed uh, draft. Yeah. So I don't a hundred percent know uh, their minor history, um, but I know that there are, are some connections through people on here. There was some passionate feelings. Um, what about the uh, Flurry brothers? Set of brothers on the back end for the Kraken. So Hayden and Kale Flurry um, were they? They they weren't WHL players, were they? Uh, Hayden, uh, yeah, Kale Flurry was. Uh, Hayden Flurry was as well. So Caden, uh, yeah, Kale Flurry played for Kootenay and yeah. Regina, and then Hayden Flurry played for Red Deer. Yeah, I thought they were WHL. So it's interesting to have, uh, and they are both fairly highly touted prospects. So there's a pretty darn good chance that at some point they're going to have a set of brothers on their blue line. So. That's that's a cool story. The last time, you know, a set of brothers played on the same team in the West Coast, it worked out pretty well. It was okay. Yeah. Maybe maybe yeah, those I, two players are going to Hall of Fame or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um Jess, you were a little passionate about uh some of those choices. Was it Kale or Hayden that you were uh, animated about? Hayden. Hayden? I now was do was not. that a plus or a minus? It's a massive minus. I do not care for Hayden. Um, I was overjoyed to see him leave the Canes. Um, and now I'm kind of bummed that I have him back on my team. Um, over over the years, watching him play, he just has not been the big hitter that everyone is expecting him to be. And yeah. he's continuously being given chances to prove them wrong, and he's not doing it. And I think they could have used that pick on someone better. I, my pers- Personally, from Anaheim, I probably would have picked uh, Derek Grant. Um, but I'm not the one picking for Seattle, so. To be honest, like to kind of follow that up, you guys haven't watched him very much. He's basically on ice. A lesser Jake Vertanen. You're talking Hayden? Yeah. So his style of play, even though yeah. he's a defenseman? Yes. Okay. So he doesn't play defense? As, at, I'm meaning like as far as like expectations and performance on ice. Yeah. It's oh, so okay. He was highly touted and never yes. really lived up to what he was supposed to. You know, Vertanen was supposed to be a power forward. Pretty yeah. much never hit anybody, never really drove to the net. Yeah. Well, okay. like, been continuously given chance after chance to kind of prove yeah. themselves and has people trying to defend them when, you know, at this point, you're out, you're out of time. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, and that's and that's the thing. So, Kale Fleury, I believe, is a little younger. So, there's a, probably a better chance that he might actually pan out to what he was supposed to be. Um, so, who knows? Hayden might end up being a career... AHL or while Cole's on the big club. We'll wait and see how that pans out. But so yeah. um before we do our plus minus later on, why don't we go through some of the names that weren't picked and discuss if they were good or uh bad uh choices to uh not select, I guess. So we'll start with the big one, Carey Price. Is that a hit to that they passed on him or a miss that they passed on him no that was such a big that was such a good choice it carry price's contract was 10.5 million i mean the fact of the matter is is when you look at the goalies that were available for seattle there were so many others that they could get for the price of carry price it was just a better choice not to pick him Better options for that price. Boom. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so what oh. it would have been a good, it would have been a good marketing aspect and everything, but that's not for a brand new team. I don't think you can sign up for a $10 million contract. No. And it's when you guys got, got guys like Vanacek and I'm surprised they didn't take him. Um, but like guys like Kakanen, um, you know, I think Dreger was a great pickup and at Kowalkanen? that contract, 
What's that? Kowokanen? From is, the wild? Yeah, is it Kokanen? Yeah. I thought it was Kakanen. I don't know how to pronounce his last name anymore. Yeah, I, either way, I think that would have been a great <laughs> choice. Um, yeah. Vanacek, Dreger, uh, Decord, I think, was a little curious. I mean, he's got potential, but I mean... That the- was a terrible pick, in my opinion. Looking at that kid's numbers in the AHL and everything, I, he's not pulling anywhere higher than a, a, a what, a 0.89 save average and a, anywhere from three to five goals against. I think the logic behind that was that there wasn't anyone really on Ottawa that intrigued them that much. And I mean, everyone said Dadanov, but I believe Dadanov was making upwards of five mil and they probably just didn't want to take on that kind of contract. And for them, it's flexibility because from my understanding, Decord is waiver exempt. So when it comes to having an emergency backup that they don't have to put through the waiver system, uh, Decord, they can move up and down freely without having to risk losing them. So that was just flexibility for them, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, for, for When it comes to goalies, I don't think I would have picked a throwaway pick for a goalie when, a, when forwards and defensemen are considerably more a dime a dozen than a good goalie is. So I think... If if it were me, I would have gone with a throwaway pick of a forward or a defenseman rather than a goalie. But it kind of showed too that like Ron Francis and his team there really kind of looked at what they had available, and there was a, a hybrid method of like they didn't want to spend a lot of money. I I still think there might be a couple big UFA signings yeah. coming. But they've said from day one, they're not going to try and go for it right off the bat. They're going to build the proper way. So they want the flexibility. So they took a lot of guys whose contracts are expiring fairly soon. So they can kind of pick and choose who they want. They can look at some players short term over the next year and say, you know what? Did that work? Did it not work? And for the guys that it did work, they'll get their extensions for sure. For the ones that it didn't they can say, cool, it was a good experiment, but you know, you can move on now. And then they get all that extra room and they can build through the draft. They didn't take on a lot of long-term contracts except for players that, you know, I think it was a safe bet, you know, players that will make them better in the long term. Yanni Gord, great example of a highly underrated player. Um, Brandon Tanev, I mean, he might get paid a little too much for his role, but at the same time, energy guy for checker you know he will patrol your blue line for the next three four years and he's gonna do great things down there um brendan tanif is a center or he's a left winger yeah he's a winger so he'll he'll be for check-in for you and he's an energy guy and for three and a half mil for a brand new team that has you know unlimited cap to spend i think that was a good choice i do think zucker would have been a better choice from pittsburgh just for the immediate scoring factor. But I mean, the thing is you also can't have four lines of scorers. So I think their logic was, you know what, we got to fill a bottom six too. And uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I don't know what their end game is going to be here, but uh, we'll see if you, we'll see a few trades over the next couple of days that might explain why they took some of the guys they did. So the next one that uh, uh, let's go into a little bit of detail and uh, Jess, we're going to probably leave this one all up to you. What's going on? Philadelphia. What happened there? So they I have left no idea. Voracek, they left Van Riemsdyk. They left Gostaspare, Justin Braun, Robert Hag. Uh, if you wanted a goaltender, Sandstrom, Nate Prosser, Tyler. And they went with uh, Carson. Carson yeah, so what happened? I have no idea. In in. All honesty, I have no idea. Carson Torinsky is young, so he has the ability to make a name for himself. But, you know, um, in terms of what was available from Philly, hands down, I would have picked JVR because he has shown continuous ability to make plays and score goals, even when the Flyers are flat on their face, you know, doing absolutely nothing. JVR is the one that's there crying like hell to save that stupid team's ass. 
Um, so if it were me, I would have picked JVR. Yeah, he was a little bit more expensive than Carson Torinsky, but almost everybody is. Um, I don't, I, I really don't know why they picked Carson. I know that, uh, you know, from what I've heard on Twitter, that Haxkell was a fan of Torinsky when he was the coach of the Flyers. Um, and maybe that was the driving reason to pick him but it seems like a stretch so just looking at his whl numbers so he played for the calgary hitmen for a few years and then the Kelowna rockets for his last two years in the dub um he his numbers are kind of weird because um his second year with the hitmen his second full season 45 points in 67 games, 20 goals, 25 assists. So fairly balanced. Um, playoffs, five games, one assist. So nothing crazy. Uh, next year with the Hitmen, 21 points in 36 games. So not terrible at all. And then first year in Kelowna, 22 points in 28 games. So he's right. almost almost a point per game player. And then his final overager season in Kelowna... Yeah, 68, 68 games, 72 points. So he eclipsed the point per game plateau. But in 68 games, he had 45 goals and 27 assists. So which is significantly larger than any other time he's played. Like he doesn't have an anywhere near that close of numbers in any other year. No. So I'm looking at that roster and they had a damn good team, right? So they actually had new Seattle Kraken uh, pick Cole Lind was their leading scorer. Um, they had Dylan Dubé, who's obviously in Calgary now, I believe. Um, Cal Foote, who I believe is in the Lightning organization. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, actually, you know what? I'm looking at these numbers. They didn't have that crazy of a team. So out of nowhere... Carson Torinsky just decided he was going to lead this team in goal scoring. And yeah, I mean, who knows with the right system, maybe that's all he needs is the right system to find his scoring touch again. And he clearly didn't have it down in uh, Lehigh. Lehigh, Lehigh Valley. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, from, from Kelowna, his numbers drop significantly. His first year in Lehigh, he has, you know, 69 games, 24 points. And then, you know, you go to the Flyers and Lehigh and he's bouncing up and down and he's, you know, between the two teams, he's averaging 13 yeah. points in the last two years. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. Curious. Um, I, I so would love to see yeah. what uh, Philly's, there's got to be a trade from Philly saying, you know, please don't take Van Riemsdyk or Voracek or any of these guys. So Maybe they paid him a king's ransom and said, "Hey, this is a guy that we don't really have room for in our organization. Just take him." Maybe. And then the last player, which you know what, there was a lot of debate on uh, Tarasenko. So he, they went with uh, Vince Dunn, which is a very good player, twenty-four-year-old defenseman. But you got Tarasenko, twenty-nine years old. He's got two years left at seven point five. Does have an injury history, but he's Vladimir Tarasenko. Like he's still one of the elite players in the league. So, do you think that it was the same with Price? Like there was this unknown injury history. Like you don't know how he's going to come back next year from injury that maybe kept uh, St. Louis away, or was this a was this a situation where they were like, no, we really love Vince Dunn and we really need him on our team, no matter what. I, I'm inclined to think that there was multiple players from the Blues that they wanted. Uh, they've had conversations with Jaden Schwartz, which I believe is a UFA, so he may still sign come free agency, which I believe is, is it this weekend? 28th. 28th, okay, so yeah, a little bit away. They had conversations, so they may still end up signing Schwartz, but when you're looking at building a team and Vince Dunn is available, I mean, I've been a fan of this guy for quite a while. What he brings is, you know, real solid. He's at a good cap hit. And they always say when you're building the team, build from the net out. So, you know, if you believe you've got your goalies in Dredger and Vanacek, then the next step is to bring in some solid D-men. 
Um, Dunn is an RFA, so who knows what his cap hit's going to come in at. But he he brought a lot to that Blues team. I'm torn because, you know, Tarasenko at 7.5, if he is the Tarasenko of old, you take Vladimir Tarasenko at 7.5 for two years. If that was a 7 or 8 year contract, no, probably not. Two years, I would have definitely done some digging. They got his medical records. When he came back last year, though, after getting the shoulder surgery, he was only back for maybe a month, I believe, and then he was out again. So he came off surgery, was not the same. They decided time for another surgery. That's definitely red flags. Yeah, well, there's a lot from my understanding with Tarasenko as well, because he's requested a trade, specifically requested a trade, because he doesn't like the way that the Blues have handled his injury. So there may be something else going on there that may have given Seattle pause not to take him. Yeah. So this question goes to Liz. It came out today that the first ever game for the Seattle Kraken is going to be at T-Mobile Arena. And then their first home game is going to be against the Vancouver Canucks. So, Liz, do you think it's a good idea that, uh, or it's like a cool idea that they're playing expansion team versus expansion team uh, in the first game of uh, Seattle's existence? I mean, yeah, you want to hype up the team, throw them against Vegas. Uh had an outstanding expansion on their own. So you want it. Everyone's sitting here going, oh man, they're just getting gifted a team again. Well then throw them up against the team that supposedly was also gifted a team. Uh, you know what? If they hold their own, awesome. You know what? We have two instantly competitive teams. I don't understand what the problem is. Like, you know what? You want to boost the sport. You want to make it look better. Two instantly successful teams that are doing well and holding their own against, you know, teams that have been around for a hundred years. I say in big, in big markets. Yeah. All the better. Um, you also want to grow the game in Seattle. You know what? Sh- show them if, if Se- Seattle comes out and wins that game against Vegas, that's going to be such a huge moment for them. If, even if they come out and lose against Vegas, my thing is, as long as they hold their own and they just don't come out and like completely fall on their face, you're going to get fans coming in from everywhere. You're going to be at all the fans who hate Vegas. If Vegas loses that game, all of those fans are going to instantly be on that Seattle bandwagon. If, uh, if they come out and lose against Vegas, honestly, it's going to be the same way because all those fans who hate Vegas are just going to pile on even more going, you know what? Next time Seattle has to win this. I'm cheering for Seattle. Like, no matter what you're doing in this situation, you're, you know, you're showing the most recent expansion team against the previously most recent expansion team. Uh, One went to a Stanley Cup final in their first year. What's Seattle going to do? The only way Seattle can one-up Vegas right now is to win the Stanley Cup in their first year. And you know what? Like, we, we live for the drama. They tried saying, like, you know, this is hockey. There's no drama, blah, blah, blah. Hockey is all drama. Every single part of hockey is drama. It does not matter. No Every part of the game is drama, like injuries, trades, you know, drafts, expansions. Just in general, being a fan of this sport means that you love drama. Sorry, that's just how it is. So yeah. you yeah. want to show you want to show off a new team. You want to show off a new area, build the sport, find something new. This is the best way to do it. And you you were part of, or with uh, you know you were in Vegas or cheering for Vegas when they came into the league. So you got to witness that inaugural season from like a true fans perspective. Do you think that Seattle is in the same boat? Like that if it's a failure, if they don't make the playoffs they're like, I don't think anybody's going to expect them to go and win the cup in the first year. But do you think that the bar has been raised for expansion teams because of what Vegas was able to do? So yes and no. From an outsider's perspective, of course the bar was raised. From being a Vegas fan, there will never, well, God forbid, there will never be anything like the Vegas expansion. There will never be another mass, you know, mass shooting on the last night of your preseason that causes the entire city to have to like rally around each other, have a freaking hockey team of all things be what pulls your city out of you know, a massive depression, a massive just upset, 
you know, people staying up for days just trying to get news, getting in line for, you know, 12 hours just to try and donate blood. You're never going to have that again. You're never going to have the moment of this hockey team is what brought an entire city together. So You know a- what? Honest to God, thank God for that. Because, yeah. you know what, as great as that is, we don't want that. No. If that ever were to happen again, my heart would break so hard because it, it, it's just, it's ridiculous. But if you're talking about it from a fan's perspective, no, Seattle's not going to be anywhere close. I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I'm going to cheer for Seattle when they're not playing my teams, but Seattle fans, God forbid, <laughs> will never know what Vegas fans experienced that first year and will never experience that pure joy that came out of having something to hold on to. Well, it's also a little bit different because, like you said, this was Vegas's first team. In Seattle, yeah. you got the Sounders, you have the Seahawks, you have the um, the Mariners, you have the Seattle Storm. Like there is an there was a very established sports, sports culture sports there culture. in Vegas. You really had the the Las Vegas Aces were the, the big the professional after. team. The Aces came after, or the yeah, sorry. So yeah, Aces yeah. came after. So you yeah. this is like ve- like. There was, was nobody else to, yeah, there was nobody else to kind of take that mantle. But what I'm meaning is just like, that's what I'm saying, though. From an outsider perspective, yes, the bar has been raised. Seattle has some expectations. Uh, like, I'm very torn because I both want Seattle to do absolutely incredible. You know what? If they win the cup this year, all the better. Maybe people will shut up about Vegas for once. Um, but at the same time, you know, I also don't want Seattle to raise that bar. I want Vegas to be that team that everyone looked at and was like, dude, in their first year, in their expansion inaugural season, they made a cup final run. But, but see, it- like, the GMs are also the GMs are also learning their lesson a little bit. Like, yeah. there was less, there was less, um, please take player X instead of player Y this year, as far as we know, by the sounds of it. Ron Francis was saying there's probably going to be less trades than everyone's expecting. There's going to be a few, and I would imagine there's going to be some big ones. Um, but Seattle had some bigger names to be, kind of play off of. Vegas and the other thing is, the other thing is Ron, Ron Francis also said he wasn't going to go with the Vegas model and try and win right away. Well, that's the funny thing is like Vegas, the whole thing, they weren't trying to win right away. I mean, yes, they had an ex- expedited system. Like, they wanted playoffs in three, cup in six. Instead, yeah. they went to a cup final in the first season and went, oh, shit, we have to, like, we're already here, we're already doing this, like, why not just keep it up versus just going back and rebuilding a little bit? Yeah. But, I mean, if you go through the first season, it was always playoffs in three, cup in six. They were not expecting playoffs the first season, regardless of what team they had. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, as the season kept going, they were like, wait... <laughs> We might be able to do this. We might be able to pull this off. This looks really good. Oh shit, we're in the cup final. Like the one, the one similarity that I'm going to see probably happening between Seattle and Vegas is if you look now, I forget the exact statistic, but I believe Vegas only has four guys left from the original draft four years ago. Or five. I, I hate four it. I absolutely. I look at this team now and I'm like, what? What the hell happened? I don't get me wrong. I love the team now for the most part. There's a couple players where I'm like, all right, you can go. But I look at this team and I'm like, who are you people? <laughs> like, what yeah. is this? What just happened? But- for, anybody, for anybody who hasn't watched it yet, yeah. there's an awesome documentary on Amazon uh, Pro- uh, Prime about the Vegas expansion and like their whole entire first year. And in that, uh, in that uh, series... They they have a clip of Bill Foley, who's the owner of Vegas, saying that their goal was to win a cup in for in those five years. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, like, and like I said, there's going to be similarities with Seattle because of the way they've structured their contracts. You can tell they're trying to give, you know, sixteen people uh, a shot to say, "Hey, do you do you deserve a contract moving forward?" and a lot of these guys are relatively unknown and there's a good chance there's going to be a lot of turnaround with this team and this team's going to look very different in four years. Um, I'm very interested in what they're going to do in their entry draft. I I feel like at that point, that's the more interesting part for me because I agree with you looking at the guys that they picked. 
I don't think they're expecting to keep them very long unless they're outstanding and they have actual value to keep. I think they're planning on building a young team. They're planning on taking it and making this their system and having their team be built their way. Um, So their their entry draft is going to be a lot more interesting to me on who they pick and how their future is going to be. I don't think that they're planning to hit their stride for a while, but as we've seen, anything could happen. They might find themselves, you know, second in the league heading into like the final two weeks of the season and just be like, well, (laughs) here we go. You know what? Are there even around the uh, trade deadline? If they find themselves in a good enough spot, they might just go, you know what? We're all in this season. And, but, and if you look at the structure of their team, so as of right now, after the draft today, they've got 28.95. Let's just call it $29 million in cap space. So they've got many contracts still that they need to sign. They, they need uh, the contract limit is 50. They've got 22. So clearly they have some holes to fill. They're going to be signing a bunch more guys. But if you sign another 10, 15 guys at, you know, close to league minimum, you're still going to have a good chunk of cap space. And come trade deadline, if you leave yourself 10 or 12 mil and you're doing pretty good, that leaves you that opportunity to go take a couple rentals in and say, you know what, let's just see what we can do year one and roll the dice. Um, In enough spot, anything can happen. And ownership apparently has given them the green light to spend right to the cap. So if they're leaving this much room now, it's, it's either, you know, there's still quite a bit of contracts to bring in so we can see where that'll go eventually. UFA... Uh, periods coming up in a couple weeks, so that'll answer a lot of questions. But if they go into the season with a 10 or 11 mil cap space, I think that's their game plan is let's go in young, um, set the bar low and expectations low, saying, hey, we're an expansion team, we're building our way, and come trade deadline, if they're in a good position, they're going to spend that extra 12 mil, you can be damn sure. So why don't we uh, jump into... You know, we haven't done it for a couple of weeks, but we'll jump into our plus minus segment here. So we're going to make it Seattle Kraken themed. So the roster is out to the extent that we know, you know, there might be some deals. So what we're each going to do is we're going to pick one player that we are really happy, really like that Seattle picked and one player that we're maybe a little bit iffy, iffy on. So why don't we start with why don't we start with uh, Jess uh, to lead us off with the plus minus? All right. Um, my pluses are kind of all over the place. Like, there's a lot of players that they did pick that I really like. I think I'm going to go with uh, Jamie Alexiak, actually, as my plus. I think that he was one of the most, like, a given kind of thing when it came to players to pick. Uh, he is a big guy you know i mean they don't call him big rig for no reason he's big and he's in your face when he's on the ice like you can't miss this guy he's a solid defenseman and i really like that um not only did they pick him up he was a ufa and he's signed with seattle so he's no longer gonna go to market or anything like that um so i i like that um my minus <laughs> we've already gone over Hayden Flurry, <laughs> so I'm not gonna talk um really about him. Um I don't know if there's really anyone other than him that I really am not a fan of, other than uh the Ottawa goalie. Joey Decord, he worries me significantly because his numbers are very questionable. But other than that, I think I'm actually pretty okay with their uh, their team. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, one more thing? Well, I was going to say their pick for um, for LA, Curtis McDermott, I don't think I would have gone with him. I would have gone with Blake Lazat. Um just because Lazat has 
a like a lot behind him and a lot of potential, but he was a little bit more expensive. So, so yeah. whenever you uh, refer to uh, uh, Jamie Alexiak, uh, you it, it his his real name is uh, Penny Alexiak's brother because Penny Alexiak is like one of the top swimmers for Canada at the Olympics. So, you know, it, it, it's a pretty it's a pretty cool family. You do know I'm American, right? Yeah, we're not Canadian. Still, <laughs> still, he's, he, he's, you know, you refer to him, refer to him as Penny's brother. <laughs> so, Liz, do you want to talk a little positive plus minus about the uh, expansion draft? Yeah, I'm actually, my, my minus is going to be kind of funny if he, yeah, because I don't really have a minus. I'm kind of in the same boat as Jess. Uh, I'm fine with, I mean, I don't even have like a, a Hayden Flurry type pick for me. I'm fine with all of their picks. Um partially because you know what? Uh change of scenery for a lot of guys, something to play for. I you know that feeling of now I need to prove myself. Anything can happen with any of these guys and I'm not willing to be like, oh man, he's a terrible pick. Cause knowing me, that's just gonna come back in, in like five months. It's just gonna be like <laughs> just kidding. He's leading the league. Great. Hey, you uh, know what? If Hayden Flurry wants to prove me wrong, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I will gladly admit that I am wrong if that boy can prove me wrong. So far, he has not been able to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I've heard you say it for you know a year and a half now. <laughs> um, I just personally know, basically, for a fact that the second I start talking about bad about someone, I'm gonna eat my words. Um, and also, I just don't have anyone that I you know think that way of. However, um, my plus is actually not Alex True. It is Dennis Chileski because, uh, come on, we're bringing a Winterhawk back. You knew I was going to say it. You yeah. knew it was going to happen. You know what? I'm so happy. I did enjoy him being with Detroit, as weird as that sounds, um, because I don't feel like they were wasting him. Like, yes, they kind of jumped him up and down, and he didn't get quite... the opportunity that I I think he's one of those guys that that was okay to do with um but you know this opportunity decided to have him back in the boat to see him on the ice with the Kraken I cannot wait um if they don't play him in the preseason game we're going to I will probably like there and just be like, excuse oh. me, no, bring him out. Please here. yell at me. Dave Paxwell. <laughs> it's literally the only reason I'm here. I'm kidding. It's not, obviously, but um, yeah. And then my minus is actually kind of on the same route, but also a little bit backwards. Um, my minus actually is Alex True. Um, not because I'm going, you know, oh man, he's on Seattle now. How it's terrible of a choice for Seattle. But like, you took him away from me here in San Jose. <laughs> I was actually enjoying watching a T-Bird play. I was enjoying having a T-Bird near me and you just rip him away. Also, you rip him away from Yoakum Blickfield and I'm, you know what, not too happy about e- that either. But now, if I go to a Barracuda game or a Sharks game, there's no Alex True. There's nothing. There's no Alex True to look forward to. I don't get to be all excited about any sort of T-Bird down here. Um, and that's just like a personal thing. It has nothing to do with Seattle. That's just <laughs> me being like, okay, he's gone. Great. What now? Because um, I don't really have a minus. So I decided to just make it a personal minus. Chris, hey, you it. Uh, Chris, do you want to go next? Um, sure. Uh, you know, it's been really hard to kind of like nail down, uh, one of both uh, a positive and a negative. But if I had to at first glance, look at this team and, uh, pick one, I would say I'm really looking forward for my plus. I'm really looking forward to seeing what Jared McCann can do. Um, he was ousted from Vancouver. He apparently was a bit of a locker room issue. He was young. He had some learning to do. He's gone 
and moved on to Pittsburgh and learned a lot by the looks of it. He was one of their better players last year. Uh, Toronto uh, decided to make a move for him and then lose him a week later. I don't even know what was going on there. But uh, we all, those of us in the Twitterverse, saw the infamous video um, with the Alexander Kerfoot pick at the Seattle Pike Place Market. So I was happy to see that that was fake, and that was one of five takes or so where they picked other players. Uh, McCann, I think, is going to have a ton of success with Seattle. He could potentially be on their first line looking at this team unless they make some drastic moves here. I would give him a shot and see what he can do. Um, yeah, so I'll, just really I'll, look at- I'll just interrupt you quickly because that that uh, what you mentioned about the fish uh, video is actually a very interesting story that um, I guess uh, a fan was walking past and saw them filming this and basically said, "If you don't give me a free jersey, I'm going to post this video online." And then the Kraken social media person was like go ahead because in the end it wasn't the pick that actually was getting selected. Yeah. So yeah, they, they the, said, cool. That was one of five takes. Yeah. So that's <laughs> a, that's kind of interesting. Uh, sorry to derail nice you there. Chris. See, it's nice to see that Seattle's uh, media teams already doing pretty well. Uh, they're uh, they seem to be having fun with it and hopefully they can be sort of on par with some of the, you know, higher end uh, media teams like the Hurricanes and stuff and just and the Vegas Golden Knights, they have a good media team. And yeah, hopefully they just embrace it and have some fun with it. Cause no, 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 no. The Vegas Golden Knights have a trash media team right now. Yeah, their oh. their media is awful and it has been oh. for a while. They, they, used to be great. they used to be great. And then uh, Dan got fired uh, for a slightly controversial tweet, which, yes, uh, it wasn't the best, but he did his job really well and yeah. made it fun um but no i would vegas's social media team right now is like bottom i hate of the- vegas's media i don't follow them yeah. specifically i'm clearly remembering when it was good <laughs> yeah. and it was fantastic it was outstanding he made it fun he made it like you know everyone's having a good time but um so just to backpedal, um, going back to my minus, just looking through this roster, um, it's it's pretty tough. I mean, I do think that there was some missed opportunities. Um, the one that probably stands out the most to me that maybe uh, Jess can elaborate on a little bit is the thought process of taking Morgan Geeky instead of Jake Bean. Um, it There was a few deselections, for example, like the Curtis McDermott, maybe Hayden Fleury with, you know, what we've heard today. Uh, I'm on board with Carson Soucy. I think he's pretty solid. Vince Dunn, obviously a huge fan. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of William Borgen or Dennis Chalowski, but I've read a lot of good things about both those guys. So if they're a fairly analytics-driven organization, I can understand those picks. But I might have been tempted to pick Jake Bean for my D spot instead of Curtis McDermott and then maybe take a forward from LA instead. But yeah, I mean, it seemed like kind of a home run pick for Bean. Is there? Do you think there's a potential uh, trade coming up from Carolina to make them not pick him? It's possible. Honestly, I'm I'm shocked that they didn't pick a D from Carolina, considering when you look at that team, they're so deep in the blue line that yeah. picking from one of their defensemen, you're going to get a solid defenseman regardless. Um, so I was really shocked. Carolina, I definitely would have picked a defensive player and honestly my pick would have been hawk and Paw. yeah he's a ufa but you get a big body and if you compare him with somebody like jamie alexiak you're basically creating a wall um, 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and nobody's getting through basically <laughs> like that's where I would have gone personally. But Jake Bean is also somebody that really should have been looked at. He doesn't have as much of a showing, I don't think, as Morgan Geeky has. Um, and maybe that's yeah. why they decided to go with Geek Squad instead of Bean. Um, either way, though, I mean, both of those players would have been stellar picks. And it brings, you know, a Tri-City like, American back to the Pacific Northwest. I like Morgan Geeky as a player. I've, I've watched him a little bit. He seems exciting. And I'm not, I'm not upset about the pick. I would just think that with that selection um yeah i mean jake bean seemed like the obvious pick but uh yeah there could be potentially another trade coming down the pipe that explains that a little better it could be yeah i do also kind of think that maybe it is also to help with media um you know i mean they've been partnering with the whl teams in the area obviously he's not going to be the biggest name like if they wanted to specifically go that route they would have taken carrie price um You know, you're you're still getting another local guy back. You're getting someone who was liked during their time there. You're getting someone, you know, who's a big enough name. Yeah. That you know what? It's it's still getting you a little bit of attention. So while there might be a trade, I don't think it would have had to be as big as you might be thinking. No, um, and you know, there's also the aspect that uh I believe Bean is RFA this year, whereas Morgan Geeky just signed for a a two-year, two-way contract. So that might have been part of the reasoning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, How about you, Adam? So my uh, plus is, uh, and this might be because I listened to one of the popular podcasts in Vancouver, the VanCast, and Thomas Drance of The Athletic goes on and on about this guy, but Mason Appleton, that was an easy choice for me from Winnipeg. They're... Right now, it looks like Seattle is going to have one of the best third lines in the in the league, led by Mason Appleton. He's 25 years old, making 900k. He's an RFA. He does have um, arbitration rights, but I don't think Seattle will have to worry about it. 25 points last year, 12 goals, 13 uh, assists in 56 games, three points in eight playoff games. Like this guy, he's going to be good. And I could see him making his way eventually up into the top six for Seattle. Um, my negative, or my minus, sorry, this week, is that I don't understand them picking Brandon Tanev from Pittsburgh. I know we kind of talked about this, but he signed for four more years at $3.5 million. He has a no-trade list for 10 teams. He is a third liner who has a career high of 29 points and he only played 32 games last year. Am I, I don't know if I'm missing something with him or, but he was, he was a $1.5 million player. Then he signed a 2.266 and then he signed a 3.5, but like a million, but based off of his points, that doesn't make, it didn't really make a lot of sense. I just think that this is a huge risk. You have him until, what is that, 29? So you have him till about 33, 34. And I think that that contract is just going to look pretty bad in two years, especially if they want to compete and they want to get near the cap uh, ceiling. It's It's definitely a risk, and it was there was probably better selections there. Um, yeah, like some I, of the I, names, Marcus Peter, uh, Peterson, yep. you could have gone with Jason Zucker, Zach Aston Reese, like this one, I don't, I, I think that there might be a deal with Pittsburgh to take Brandon Tanev's contract. Yep. Like and that, Brandon and Tanev. Yeah. And that's it, it, ab- <laughs> it absolutely could have a deal attached to it. And I think a lot of these questionable ones that we see will probably have something attached to it, but like I said earlier, like I'm not a Brandon Tanev hater per se. I think he's overpaid by about a mil. I think for two and a half mil, you could, you could swallow that pretty easily for what he brings. He's an energy guy. He's one of those guys on the bench that ever, it gets everybody fired up and you know what he's going to do. He's going to take 
a new hockey market. You know, uh, yes, they have the Thunderbirds and they've got the Chiefs close by. And there's there's Tri-Cities, obviously, in the area. You know, there's a lot of, you know, hockey fans in the area. But for a new NHL team going to watch hockey, some of which potentially for the first time, Tanev's a guy that might, you know, get your butt out of the seat. You know, he's going to throw some big hits. He's going to do some stuff that could potentially get people fired up. He may end up being a fan favorite without putting huge points on the board. And, you know, there was definitely better options. But you never know. With, with you know, Seattle, you know, grunge, you know, getting down and dirty. You know, there I could see Tanev being a fan favorite. And he might sell he definitely some fits the look. <laughs> he fits the look. And, uh, you know, he's going to probably sell some jerseys and put some butts in seats and occasionally get them up out of the seats. So, uh I yeah, think it'll got, be entertaining. He's got one of the best uh, best salads in the league. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And, and uh, you know what? what does that mean? I'm looking f- and I'm looking forward to watching uh, the next few years of Tanev versus Tanev when Calgary comes to town. So, Jess, uh, salad is what um, some people call their hair. That's a flow. It's both. You know, it's both. You know, I've never heard the salad thing. That's weird. Yeah, that that's a maybe it's a Canadian term, but Liz has heard it, so. Well, okay, but you also have to think like, one, I've been following this longer than she has, and two, sure. like, I'm pretty sure I'm like mentally supposed to have been Canadian. Yeah. Uh, so like. I can agree with that. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. It's just one of those. Yeah, lettuce. Lettuce was another one for a while, so I think lettuce just kind of morphed into salad. Um, but yeah, lettuce flow. You, you you got the greasy locks coming out the back of the helmet, and uh, yeah, it's it's a good look. So before we uh, wrap up, does anybody have any last minute thoughts on the uh, Kraken roster? What to expect next year? I'm really shocked that they didn't pick uh, Stetcher. I know yeah. they picked Dennis, but I'm really shocked that they didn't go with Troy. Yep. I think too. that was probably the one that was like, wait, what? Hey, now yeah. they can uh, now they can bring uh, Troy home. Seattle yeah, or that's Seattle. Never gonna happen. Vancouver won't do that. That would mean that they'd yeah. have to like tuck their tail between their legs and admit they were wrong. You I know think- what? As of as of right now, one of the picks that I didn't really talk about, um, their second highest paid player. I think Eberle was a stud pick. Yes, you could have had Josh Bailey, uh, I, but I really think that with Eberle and Bailey, you're kind of getting six of one, half a dozen of another. And Eberle, again, is also going to be a fan favorite, and he's going to get an opportunity in Seattle that he didn't even get on the island. And, you know, Eberle is potentially going to get first-line minutes. And Wait, I've... I need to change my minus. We're talking about Islanders now. I need to change. <laughs> so they didn't pick. Uh... Is not picking Kiefer Bellows. <laughs> no. When when you have an opportunity to take either Josh Bailey or Jordan Eberle, yes, Bellows is a great player. But I'm sorry, I, I take yeah. Eberle or Bailey ten times out of ten. Absolutely. You know, I agree with you on that. Um, I just after all the defending I did of him previously. Yeah, I, I have to morally change. But, but you no, know what? I, uh, there was a case I, to be made. You could they they could have taken Bellows and saved that five mil cap hit and taken a run at you know Gabriel Landeskog, make make that their top line winger instead. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know you never know. They got twenty eight million cap space that could be coming in the next uh, two weeks. I don't know how I'd feel about that one, but yeah, sure. But yeah, more more to more to come on that. I was going to say, I just have one last thing. Um, I just saw a post from Jack Manning on Twitter, and he said, I can't wait for the mental gymnastics that traditional hockey fans are going to pull to explain how Vegas was gifted a team and Seattle wasn't. Um, And I'm with him on that, because if you think that Seattle wasn't given the same every opportunity, uh, you are wrong. It's not it's not Vegas's fault that GMs just decided to be like, "Eh, we messed up last time. Maybe not. I think I think the comparison is kind of apples and oranges, though, because of the fact that I think it's a short term, like there was a expansion team and then a few three, four years later, there was another expansion team. 
before this, there hasn't been an expansion team in, what, 15 years or something? Probably even longer than that. So current GMs were not around when the last expansion happened, whereas now a lot of the GMs that are in their positions were the same GMs that were in those positions for the Vegas draft. I think they had a chance to learn their lesson to, I mean, you look at the the list of players that were available, and I think a lot of GMs prepped years before this, knowing that this expansion draft was coming. Mm-hmm. And the idea of minimizing your exposed players and not paying teams to take players, you know, we'll see what the deals come out in the, uh, tomorrow at, uh, I believe it's 10 a.m. Pacific, but... I don't see the same kind of deals coming from the Dale Talons of the world to say, you know what, please take Riley Smith or please take Jonathan Marcheseau. And then Vegas goes, cool. Thanks for our second line. Um, I I think they learned their lesson because of the short window between the two expansion drafts. And also Seattle's team has kind of said that they're not going to necessarily, if you look at some of Vegas's picks, I think they wanted to be successful right off the hop to kind of prove that sports could work in Vegas. Whereas like Adam alluded to, Seattle's already a sports city. They know it's going to work and they're more comfortable taking a slower approach and saying, you know what, we're going to go the proper way and we're going to build so that our window is open longer. So it's kind of it's hard to do a direct comparison between the two expansion franchises. Yeah. But yeah. So we'll have more to come. We'll uh keep an eye on the third line podcast uh Twitter account. We will probably have some stuff and also our personal accounts. Our pinned tweet on the third line pod uh account puts uh out all of our personal twitter profiles so you can keep an eye on those and we'll be probably tweeting some of the side deals that come out and get a little more explanation as to why some of these players were chosen and yeah so keep an eye on that and prepare for ufa in a couple weeks and besides that thank you for giving us your time this week and yeah anybody else have anything else before we wrap her up i don't think so we're just just about, I don't know, 10 more episodes before we have one where uh, Jess and I are likely going to be in that same building. Yes! So, so, so we be- could have a episode where Jess and Liz are recording from the same spot. <laughs> that's pretty sweet. Hey, yes, that's awesome. I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of these days when the world goes back to normal, we'll all have to get together and do a... Uh, do a live episode or something where we're all in one room and well, yeah, I'll have we'll... to for a cracking game. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, for sure. Or you know, in Vancouver for a Canucks cracking game or both. Yeah, yeah we, we have to we, get we, our passports. Yeah, uh, we can be those annoying away fans with the cracking jerseys in uh, Rogers Arena and you know pissing everybody off. Let's do it. <laughs> Awesome. Okay, well, uh, yeah, thanks for everybody for listening, and we will be back next week with episode 17. Yeah. We might we might have to come up with a plan for, you know, maybe 20 or 25, one of those big numbers. We'll come up with something cool for a, a new episode, but until then, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week.